Welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good, Todd. Good morning to you, too. Good morning on a holiday weekend, a Labor Day here in the U.S. Not that it matters to all those that listen outside of the U.S. They could care less. And and, but, we, uh, and we are laboring. We are. We are still laboring. <laughs> yes. So, um you were, you text can't get me. enough, Todd. We could do. We just can't get enough. Yeah, you text me last night. It was uh, I was laying in bed actually, um, reading something. I was surprised you were up at one o'clock in the morning. What were you out partying last night? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> no, Todd, I do that every night. No. It, so uh, I, I never get a text that late from you. So I was surprised, and I was jet lagging a little bit. So I was. I don't know if my responses were co- coherent or not, but I was in well, and out. Well, I know that you're three hours behind me, so I figure it's probably okay to text you at that time. Yeah, I'm usually, you know, believe it or not, I, I get texts up to about eleven o'clock at night. So I'm. Yeah. <laughs> and it always normal, amazes right? me. Yeah, it always yeah. amazes me. What are you doing awake at this time? <laughs> anyway, trying to catch up with stuff. We yeah. are. We are here. And uh, back in the studio and back up on Facebook and um, on YouTube. So uh, if you're if you're tuning in now, uh, welcome. <laughs> um, you know, the whole uh, last week, that experience with the uh, other website wasn't bad. Um, the media oh, fought. Go ahead. Fire talk. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they they uh, they do provide a video embed they don't provide you an audio embed so i was able to download that and and use it um their sync is pretty good too i will say the on blab it used to be three or four frames and they were uh, i didn't have to adjust it, the frames at all so that was to me was pretty amazing so you got the video which means that you were able to get the audio yeah yeah okay. just, yep gotcha yeah it's so, great so pulled it out and it was yeah it worked out good so i i think they uh they may have a future, but I just wish they had the same social interface that Blab does. Their, their social stuff is a little different. Yeah, but it's uh, not it. It's not as uh, clean. I don't think. No, but but it works. That's the main it thing. It does. Even though does. We, we it took us a little bit to get into it the other day, but other than that, can't complain. Yeah, that seems to happen every time we get into <laughs> a new platform. So it looks it's like never as seamless. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no cat. So I, I assume you're at your other place today. Yes, I am. Yes. And the broadband's working. Yeah, of course. And you're using yeah. that despise mic that I don't care for. Oh, the <laughs> the ATR2100 that most other people actually are fawning over. Yeah, yeah. I, I have one, but I have yet to use it. <laughs> Stubborn about that, aren't you? Yeah, I'll use it sometime when I'm on the road or something. It sounds okay. I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah, I mean it's it's it does it's it does a, a good job. It does a decent job for what you pay for it. I yeah. think is oh, the yeah. bottom line for it's it. Very yeah. inexpensive. Yeah, but it has gone up lately, though. It uh, for a while it was like seventy bucks. Now it's over. I think it's like eighty eighty nine dollars now. Cool. Be- it's it's because it got more popular. They they increased the price. Yeah, well, that's what happens. Just uh, when you when you travel with that thing, be very careful of the switches on it. If you uh, there's there they don't take a lot of abuse that's what i i ruined one by just having it in a travel bag and not oh. protecting the the switch on okay it. i actually have like a little carry pouch that i put it into yeah i do too but somehow it got really? banged there oh, must have been something it got banged oh yeah. okay 
So that happens will happen any, with any mic, but 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 I do have so, a nice new shiny mount here. Uh, this oh, uh, did those uh, bands, those uh, rubber bands wear out? Yeah, they sure do. So yeah, um, yep. you know, so stupid me. This just goes to show you how you know. I was just like, well, screw it. I'll just order a new mount because I couldn't find anywhere to do the bands. And I had yep. sent uh, Blue Mike a email saying, how do I get new bands? And, and it had been week, the weeks had went by and they hadn't responded. <laughs> and then I ordered the new mount. And two days later, um, I got an email from Blue Mike. Oh, yeah, we'll send you some bands. <laughs> oh, like, no. I was like, shit. Yeah, I've got three mounts like that for some old old mics that I had, and, and but, just, uh, I just gave up on those things because uh, I I couldn't figure out where, where to get those get those bands, let so, alone try and try and put the bands into those things. So yeah. they're gonna send me the bands, and I'll recondition the other one, and then I'll I'll uh, vacuum seal it, and then I'll have three years or four <laughs> years from now I'll have another mics. But my other mic stand was getting all kinds of patina on it. I don't know if it was from the I don't know if it was from spitting it out on the all these years or or what, but I removed the original. Yeah, spit guard. Right? Yeah, so I'm trying to find something different for the front here. Oh, oh it, it yeah, works yeah. okay, but anyway, so yeah, that's it's actually a pop pop filter. It's actually a pop filter, but I call it a spit guard. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spit on my microphone. But I've um, thinking about making a uh, investment here in the studio. Um, don't, I, I I haven't, I'm still on the, I'm all about cleaning up the, um, wire flow (laughs) and, uh, the folks at new tech have this box called the uh, talk show and it'll it'll let you do up to four Skype and I'll never do four because I don't have enough bandwidth here to do four Skype connections, but you can do up to four. And um, gives a little better audio and some other stuff. It's it's a significant, significant um, investment. But I would really, um, it would really clean up all this down here. Um, the Mac Minis are still doing fine, so um, I've just been thinking about it. So we'll see. It's not going to pull the trigger anytime soon. But I'm just. Uh, Could you sell back your current? Um TriCaster? No, the TriCaster would stay. The TalkShoe system would do strictly the Skype incoming. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's Oh, it's an add-on to your current yeah, system. Yeah, it would be an add-on, and it would, you know, it inter- interacts nicely, and, you know, there's everything that goes with it. So, um, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. So, it's it's eight grand, so it's it's not a wow. cheap uh, a cheap investment. But um, every once in a while, you know, I, I have a budget for the studio on... And this year, I've really spent nothing on upgrading the studio. So just, you know, little incremental pieces. But this would eat up all of my upgrade budget and then some. So I wouldn't be able to do as much next year. But I don't, really don't need to change anything. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get uh, get anything from, um, you know, the TriCaster folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, for less than five grand. Right. Yeah, it's it's normally 10 or more. Yeah. So, and my 865 down there is doing great, um, but I've had that a number of years now, and at some point I'll have to look at doing a, I mean, maybe not an upgrade, but uh, definitely putting a service contract on it for for repairs. The 
service contract on those is like twenty three hundred bucks a year. So that's, that's holy smokes. Yeah, but it's it's great if your machine goes down, they, they just send you another box. You know, they FedEx you overnight a a replacement box. So you're paying for the ability to, um, you know, not be down. So, yeah. but the Wirecast folks, they had promised some integration with new tech and they have yet to deliver so I'm a little disappointed in them they, they haven't had such a great opportunity to to uh, implement NDI and Wirecast and it would make interoperability between those two platforms just simply incredible but I'm afraid they're worried about siphoning off some of their business if they implement that but I think they would gain customers but mm-hmm. for those that don't know um, what NDI is is it used to be I would only I would have to um, everything that I send over the video um, was all hardwired. A lot of it still is, but now they have um, network IP video. So it's basically um, you can do screens and that type of stuff, and it's just over the network. And it really yeah. you don't have to have all these physical connections anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Technology. Yes, yes, advancing. But it's uh, I, I, I tried to go buy a shirt, Rob, but I didn't get to Target in time. I was going to go buy a, a Target t-shirt. Where are you? Yeah, one of those has a Target on it. It's there you go. Why? Because <laughs> why, you feel like that uh, there's bows and arrows that are always flying at you, yeah, so you might as well been, uh, been one know, of those weeks. be a man and yeah, take it. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks where uh, you're like, really? So it's been, it's been, it's been a fun week here, but other than, you know, and I, I was supposed to be on a semi vacation. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Not much vacationing, a lot of work, but, um, anyway, it's, uh, the space is, uh, getting very competitive. Oh yeah. That's true. And but I, that's, but it's been that way for a while. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It has, but it seems like it's, it's ramping up a little bit. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> Well, you know, if you look what's in the news, you look at uh, just what's happening. Ari Code is seeking uh, executive producer of podcasts. That's huge. And, of course, they're part of Vox Media. And Mm -hmm. um, so uh, they're going to have to go to New York or San Francisco. So they're going to have to live someplace where it's very expensive. Yeah. So they have to pay them well. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to have to be paid very well. They're probably six figures, I would think. Yeah. If you're going to be, if they're going to ask you to move to New York or, or San Francisco. Yeah. I would imagine it would be, have to be at least that much. What do you think someone would get paid as an executive producer, podcast, and audio? Uh, I would say probably, probably minimum if you're in New York, probably 60 plus grand, probably at least. Oh, I minimum. Would, or and more. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not surviving in unless you're coming three hours on a train into Manhattan every day. Oh yeah. I think a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't live in New York, so I have no idea, but it could be, you know, it could be more than that. I would, I, I would think it would be more, especially if you're working in Manhattan. You know, I think the basic professional salary in that city is, is, you know, starts at a hundred, but. Uh, well, yeah, I agree with that for, for most jobs. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know. It's maybe someone more, more smart than us will know what that that job will uh, will bring. But it would seem, and any of it's in, even in San Francisco, you, if you're gonna, of 
for San Francisco, it's it's a great single person town. It's not a great town to go with kids. So you're going to be driving. You know, if you're moving there and have kids or live there, you're going to want to live out outside of San. You know, outside of San Francisco yep. proper. Yep. It's a it's long commutes for a lot of people that work in in New York though because they they can't afford to live yeah close yeah when we were um, a little side story and we haven't I don't know if I've ever told this or not but uh, in the early days of Raw Voice um, there was a company that was there um, that was interested in acquiring us so you know we went through the full due diligence and you know with the team went to new york and met the other team and uh you know talk and i was just you know thinking my god i gotta move from hawaii to new york and then you know, manhattan's fine but you know i'm like where do you commute from you know where do you come in oh we can you know, an hour i commute an hour and 15 minutes everywhere on train i'm like how long does it take you to get to the train he says well you know get to go here and, and transfer and, and two hours each way and i'm just like I, I was already spending an hour in my car here in Hawaii at that time. I'm like, no way. I'm not, I'm not doing two hours each way to come to this madness. Um, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. The deal never obviously went through. but uh, yeah. I think big, I remember you saying something about it back then. That yeah. was quite a few years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. So it, that's a big decision to you know, make a move like that. And oh, yeah. especially if the other company's a startup, you know, then there's that added risk. And what's funny is they lasted about mm, 12 more months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. You know, that, uh, and that makes you sit back and say, man, did we ever make the right decision? Dodge that bullet. Yeah. Been in New York and 12 months later had not had a job. That has sucked. <laughs> If they were so fragile, I don't. I, it's hard to think why they were thinking about acquiring you. Well, they were. You know, I think it was a desperate play. But what was yeah. what was evident to me afterwards was that uh, you know we'd saw the books, and maybe the books weren't as mm, fat as they had implied. Yeah. So, yeah. Like that never happens. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you if you're if you're if you are if you have a company. And someone's going to acquire you, you know. It's it's time to bust out the uh, tax returns. Not uh, you know you want to go to the the accountant's office and uh, bust out the tax returns and and see what they sent the IRS, and uh, go to the bank and uh, look at the bank statement at the bank. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. You know, if it's you know, it's a big multinational, of course, then you, you don't have to worry about it. But if it's if you're if you're being acquired, you got to make sure they're financially stable, and and a good yeah. M and A lawyer will make sure you're covered too. And at that time, we uh, um, we did not, you know, we didn't have an M and A lawyer. Uh, since, yeah. you know, but since then, <laughs> uh, I have one yeah, on re- if, I have one on retainer. <laughs> and if you're uh, if that company isn't financially stable, then you be better be prepared to uh, make Ta- it so. <laughs> or or take the cash and run. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 So, uh, on my flight back, I was sitting next to a, uh, a gal from uh, the UN who was coming out for the uh, the big conservation event that happened here in Hawaii that the president was out for. And uh, 
Uh, so her and I had a very interesting couple hour conversation about uh, climate change and all kinds of other stuff. It's, uh, it's, and you know, I was talking to her about it and I said, uh, I said, what kind of social media are you guys doing? And she told me and I'm like, uh, well, she actually works with, uh, for the UN in Bonn. Um, but she's originally from Mexico. The weird, weird thing. She's a secretariat. So she has a, I guess a, I don't know where that's a in the, title, huh? a title, yeah. a ranking in it. Mm-hmm. Speaking. She wasn't a speaker. She was, well, she was a panel speaker. So she definitely wasn't, uh, you know, she was, you know, probably, I don't know, mid-level or something. And, uh, but she was talking about the social media stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, you've got a lot of climate deniers and this is not meant to be political. So everyone that's listening, if you don't believe in climate change, that's fine. Um, but I told her, I said, uh, you know, the folks that are climate change, you know, they don't believe that there's climate change happening. I said, you're not going to convince them with science. I said, uh, they don't believe the scientists. They think it's rigged. They think the, the numbers are skewed, whatever. They think there's an agenda, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I said, the way you're going to be able to reach people to make them start having opinion changes is if you go out and find that Alaskan that's seeing stuff happening in their village or the, the uh, Pacific Islander. You gotta, I told her, you got to capture the real stories that are unfiltered from the people out there. And I said, and if you start, you know, telling those stories and keep your opinions to yourself and just collect the stories um, and put those out as a podcast, I said, uh, from an educational standpoint, number one, it'll educate the people that are concerned about climate change. At the same time, it may trickle over because people that are, that don't believe in science the science or anything else. And again, this is not supposed to be political, but I'm just trying to make a point on what could be a great podcast series would be getting these stories. And, uh, man, she pondered that for a while. And she says, and I, and I said, um, I said, you got to understand. I said, uh, I know people that don't believe in climate change. I live in Hawaii and they don't believe in climate change. Um, we see the changes, what's happening here. And I said, so you're not going to convince them with some scientific report or how much, you know, what the, what the weather's doing. You have to tell, you have to collect those stories. So took her card. She took my card. So we'll see, maybe we'll get uh, a new podcast series out of this group. Um, that is, uh, where it's more, she was going to the conservation and the president had just expanded the um, Hawaiian uh, conservation area, basically no fishing and that kind of stuff. They weren't necessarily, this event necessarily wasn't a climate change event. That happened in Paris, but it was the, um, she was, you know, it all kind of ties together. So, um, and I, you know, same thing about uh, conservation of animal resources and that type of stuff. So we'll see, we'll see what they do. And, and she really, and she was kind of like, I need to talk to my people about this. And it, it just kind of amazes me that here you have, you know, a, a group that has to get a message out and they are, they're kind of using old traditional methods. They're not using a lot of new stuff. So it was kind of interesting. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, the, 
the UN has put out podcasts in the past, so it's it's something that's not something that they haven't done. So, um, you know, UNICEF has had podcasts and lots of kind of um, um, folks that are kind of in that area with, um, um, you know, with the UN and um, all all that kind of uh, diplomatic stuff have been working on on projects for for many years, and I think. Um, bringing stories like that is perfect for podcasts as long as it's done in a in a creative and professional way and not just some boring yeah. kind of spiel that oftentimes happens from podcasts coming out of the UN. Um, so so yeah, it'd be great to inspire them like that. Yeah, I think the key is really is the <clears throat> you know just you know step back and let people tell their story. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. All right. Oh, hey, this is, uh, I just got a message. I think that the uh, Podcast Legend shows is going to have Don and Drew on today. Mm-hmm. That'll be a fun, oh, fun interview. Go. Yeah. That show's blown up. It's, done, it's doing very, very well. That's good. Yeah. So... You just never know what you're going to get from podcasters. <laughs> I'm no, try- you don't. And, and, but, trying to dig the dirt out of them. You know, I was trying to get uh, Michael yeah. Butler to tell me the inside scoop of Mevio, and he told me, he says, oh. he says i got to wait another 20 years so when I'm on my be- deathbed to tell the real story of what happened at Mevio. And uh, I was like, damn, I didn't get it. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, I'm sure he told you a little bit, probably. Uh, not uh, yeah, a little time, bit. Talked. He talked a lot about Ron Bloom, and a lot of people don't know who Ron Bloom is, and how yeah. and how Ron was able to get you know the millions of dollars he's able to get, and he said he could talk the pants off anyone. So, <laughs> yeah, I met Rob Ron a couple of times. He he's a he's smooth character, no question about that. But he also had some rough edges, as I recall. Yeah, so he was. Uh, a very, very typical Hollywood kind of kind of executive type, uh, where they're they're nice on the front end, but they're 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 tigers on the back end, you know. So they'll they'll chew you up and eat you alive if if you give them an inch. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, it was it was it was fun hanging out with Michael. Michael hasn't changed, uh, you know, hasn't changed a lick. He's the same dude, so. Yeah, uh, and you know a lot of, and he's still doing his show too. So, yeah, yeah, he goes way back to the early yeah, days. Yeah, right? he was real so, early. Yeah, he was one of the first, yeah. probably dozen or so. But 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 I don't think Michael has really been that involved in the podcast community yeah. over the last few years. Yeah, he's just doing his own thing, kind of out of the pocket, as they say. Yeah, yeah. He, he puts out one episode a week of the Rock and Roll Geek Show. He's got a user support model value for value where people contribute to his podcast and he doesn't take any sponsors. So, you know, he's, he's having fun doing, he's doing the show to do the show because he loves it. Yeah. In the end, that's really, it's for most people. That's what it's really all about. Hey Todd, uh, you know, we've been talking about the, the Amazon Alexa for many, many months here. Yeah. On, on on the show and just for those that may not be aware which I'm sure is becoming a sh- smaller and smaller list this is a voice recognition voice uh, response platform that uh, that Amazon has put out 
And there seems to be a lot more interest that's bubbling up around that platform uh, with podcasting. And some of the bigger players in the space are starting to jump into it. I've had calls with uh, the Alexa team and and they're they're putting their package together. And, and I think it's really kind of interesting um, that that s- some of the big players in podcasting are really starting to to jump on board this. I don't know if a lot of podcasters realize, um, and, but this is a, this is a platform that has a lot of potential and maybe a glimpse of where, um, the platform moves in the future. Uh, I don't know, Todd, what's your thought about yeah, Have you been seeing a lot of the news of the Alexa team talking with, you know, slate and NPR, wall street journal, Bloomberg. I mean, all these, folks that are doing audio online podcasting uh, are starting to to really get on board with this program. Well, they've got a, you know, they've got a programming API to uh, make calls to Alexa. Yeah. So, you know, I think what... It's called skills is what they call it. Yeah, so uh, it, it's in the implementation is, uh, you know, at an app level. It's almost like, uh, but, you know, it's you don't load an app to Alexa. Um, you just have to know how to talk to Alexa. Uh, yeah, it's actually you... a, a, a server-side um, function is what it right. is. Um, and the actual Alexa device makes a call to the cloud and activates that that source and, and plays it back through the network uh, is kind of how it works. So you're not going to load apps on no. your Alexa device itself. But, uh, you know, my conversations with them is that they're, they're going to build this into all sorts of other devices that will be in our homes, in our cars. Um, it's it's very lightweight, I guess, but it does kind of kind of require some processing ability. So, um, you know, whatever device is using this is going to have to have a little bit of power in it in order to function properly. The um, um, I would imagine what will happen as they start as these players start implementing, you're going to be like uh, Alexa, play Slate podcast such and such. And it'll probably do that. But, you know, here's the kicker. This is where I think um, Alexa's really going. For the average podcaster, it's going to be transparent. They're just going to say, you know, and if you have your speakers on, I'm sorry if you have an Alexa in the house right now. uh, Alexa, play the latest edition of the new media show. And bam. Oh, yeah. That's 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 where it could go you're right yeah well that's where it is right now it's what it does yeah i don't think it's for every podcast though i don't think that they're quite fully i mean it will be have you it will be it will be yeah yeah if it isn't if you're not in there now um you know just don't even hold your breath it's right around the corner so so the question gets back to is um are they pulling it directly from the the podcast feed or are they working through an aggregator which is a whole other project. Well, right now they're currently working through an aggregator. They're, yeah. they're, they're getting most of their podcasts from TuneIn right now. Yeah. But so, they do have a program that um, separate um, aggregators can get in well, and, yeah. and build a, a server-side app. But basically. I would my expectation would be that um, Amazon's going to have their own podcast directory. They'll have their own. They will populate it. They'll have the full stack themselves i am about almost positive that's what they'll have yeah and you'll be you don't have to be on slate or you don't you don't have to be on any of those specific channels you'll be able to be found yeah 
Um, so they'll they'll pull the feeds that will be feeds that are served off of your platform and Spreaker and others just based on. I think they're going to build their own. You know, they're they're. <clears throat> I would I wouldn't be surprised if they don't build their own I, I you know build their own directory and you won't see it it'll just be in the cloud you know they'll have it in the cloud and it'll be there and it won't even be called a directory it's just part of the service. So your expectation is that they would they would basically um, kind of do like uh, like an iTunes or something yeah. like that where podcasters yeah. would would submit their well, feeds. I don't to, think they would even. Alexa? That's not how they work over there. I don't think they'll submit. I think they'll just build build it and you'll be in it. You just won't know how it's getting pulled. So they're going to do a scrape on feeds? Is I that would, what you're saying? I wouldn't be surprised. Not in the least. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But I mean, that, I suppose they could, could pull the the iTunes feeds, couldn't they? Because <laughs> there's other people doing it. Well, yeah. you know, I, I don't think they would. You know, you know, They're going to have to populate somehow. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what they do, but, uh, uh, I, I, it's a great platform already. I think, uh, you know, it's going to launch here in the UK on the 16th. So, um, you know, those in the UK are going to be able to finally order and that'll be, um, interesting to see how that develops, whether or not it works just as well in the UK as it does here. If they pull from different platforms, who knows, but it definitely, you know, just voice demand getting the media is, is pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, and this, this could be where we see a big, big inflection point in podcast consumption as you look into the future. You know, there's a lot of talk about other, other things being the, the driver, you know, really going after these advanced kind of, um, <sighs> Yeah, I know that there's a lot of focus right now on creating platforms that can help podcasters monetize. But my contention, and I know Todd, you tend to agree, I think, with me, is that the part of this industry that needs to grow before even monetization will even work is that we have to grow the scale of the listeners. Oh, yeah. And, and that's that's the challenge. I mean, as more content comes online, um, uh, we're just basically splitting the um, – the audience smaller and smaller, which means individual shows aren't aren't going to get large. Um, in order to keep balance in this this space, we have to grow listeners, uh, and the monetization part will just take care of itself um, based on that. Uh, but it feels like at times, uh, you know, the whole monetization thing is being forced, and all, all this advanced technology is being applied to it. And, but I'm, I'm not really sure that the the market's really ready for advanced technology on this stuff. Well, it's also volume issue. Yeah, you know, well, totally. um, it's, it's a total volume issue. You know, we look at it and, you know, I have the, the, um, the ability to go very, 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 very wide. And yeah, I think that the, the opportunity that we got to figure out is how to, how to run ad campaigns across thousands of shows. Um, but we're just not there yet. No. And one of the big reasons that we're not there is that the, the audience scale isn't there. Right. Well, the audience scale is there wide. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, but it's, yeah, you but know, all boats need to rise. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, it's, it's the media buyers are still largely focused on the big shows. So it's, yeah, they are. 
you know, it's, it's shifted because that inventory is not as available. And, you know, the, and there's four or five companies fighting over the same, same chess, yeah. chess pieces, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you look at, uh, but I think, you know, nothing has changed Rob from the early days. Everybody's, uh, uh, the clamoring for content, good content is still there. And it doesn't go a week that I don't get a call from uh, someone from a foreign country that's uh, building a uh, over-the-top box, or it, it just you, you name it—they're building it, and it's their their media content platforms, and they are searching for uh, content. You know, they're looking for distribution deals and looking for you know to fill their library with uh, with content. They don't even care if it's exclusive; they just want content I mean, they every call that i get like that it, it makes me laugh a little bit because you know look at the the amount of content that in the podcasting space you and i and this audience there's no way we could consume it all it's literally impossible but um yeah. these folks are looking for a huge scale and good metadata to go along with it and Let's be clear, they're oftentimes looking for the cream of the crop, too. They're not looking for large quantities of content. I know a lot of the new platforms that are coming into this medium are not looking to take everything, you know. And that's that's a challenge for everyday podcasters. Yeah. Um, you know, they, a lot of these new platforms are trying to skim the cream of the crop, which is <clears throat> playing right into the, to the whole issue that we were talking about around advertising too it's a similar issue but um, a, a small set of shows is gonna gonna grow big and the rest of them aren't because of that well let's just remember this space was made by um a bunch of revolutionaries that uh refused to be allowed to be um controlled um restrained uh held back you know the simple fact that uh we can tell the man we can give them both double barrels at the same time and still do our shows and they can't affect our distribution because we have RSS and we have uh, ability to get our media on the go with, um, um, with everyday average listeners. Now you still have to build, you know, challenge to build audience, but yeah. the simple fact that no one can control us, the cable company can't say, come on, Hey, we're cutting your, your channel three twenty three. you know, you're, you're off. You know, we, no one can do that to us. Um, so regardless of where the market goes or where the space goes, uh, there's always going to be opportunity for a show to grow and uh, no way to be denied uh, distribution. And, you know, okay, so guess what? If, but some uh, of that is happening. Well, so if distribution is being denied. Okay, well, yeah. then don't you don't promote them. They don't get any. It's stupid that those groups are doing that. Because you anger the, okay, so let's say you take a thousand shows. You anger the 150,000 rest of the shows, and they will never, ever give you a single piece of airtime on their podcast ever. I, I, I don't promote platforms that don't distribute my show, that, that refuse to take it. Never yeah. talk. I, I, matter of fact, news articles, eh, don't even talk about them. Because I'm not going to give them any, yeah, any press. So my audience, um, 
sure, they may be denied being able to get me on that platform, but it doesn't matter. I can still tell them, you know, take me with you on this device on, you know, the podcast iOS app or, you know, one of the dozens of other apps that are available for iOS and Android. They don't, they're not, you know, it's, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not doom and gloom on that. I'm actually pro, you know, screw the establishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the old 80-20 rule, right? They, they want to get 80% of the traffic from 20% of the content. And the, the problem is, is that, is that, um, it, it's really a smarter strategy to get a hundred percent, uh, especially in this, this medium, because, um, all, all it takes is one podcast that they can't find on your platform that they like, and they're not going to use your platform. Yeah. That's all it takes. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons that, you know, like, uh, windows phone didn't make it is because that one app wasn't on the platform. Right. Um, and so, you know, you look at a lot of, I mean, I'm being real frank here cause there, that there are parties that we're both involved with, uh, that are playing this game. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, I don't say a lot to them about this, but I, I, I think it's a mistake for them to, to decide what's good and what isn't good. Mm-hmm. They think that they're curating, right? Right. They think that they're, they're bringing more value to their audience, but what they don't realize is that they're actually alienating probably a third to maybe half of their users yep. by, by, by their strategy too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm not going to name names, but I think we all know who, who, who they are that are playing these games. Um, and, and it's not going to work. There's no history of it working. No, <laughs> no, never. And, you know, you know so it's in, in my frustration is having to tell podcasters. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why they won't take your, your show. Don't know. I mean, even if you look at uh, mo- uh, movies, TV and music. Most of these platforms strive to get all the music, all the TV shows, and all the movies. Why is it different with podcasts? Is it because Steve Jobs said five or six years ago that podcasting was amateur hour and that somehow there's this bad um, impression that people have that most of the content in the podcasting space is bad content? Sure, there's content that's not that great. Then people just don't listen to it it doesn't really take up much space on your servers to make it available. And it doesn't diminish the value of your platform to have it there. I mean, you have to manage it and make sure that it's looking as good as it can. And maybe you have some criteria if it doesn't have album art or something like that, maybe you don't include it. Um, but you know, that's a different discussion than, than saying that you're only going to take, you know, a thousand podcast feeds and you're done. Well, Rob, I'll be honest with you. You know, I, you know, Blueberry's a small company. Um, you know, we don't have an unlimited budget. Uh, you know, we have to work within the constraints we have. And, you know, we built a directory that has 336,000 shows on it and an absolutely stunning search engine to be able yeah. to find content. And uh, I'm a small company. You know, yeah, I've been in space a while, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, 50 coders I can throw at something, you know, I, I, I have a small team of coders Yeah. and, um, so the, well, the, so the, ex- so does Breaker. Yeah. The, the excuse that, um, 
there should never be any the resources is not an excuse for big companies the resources are you know relatively inexpensive um, well it's all about priorities right mm-hmm. um, you know like like a lot of people know I used to work for Microsoft and running some podcast platform for Microsoft for many years and I was battling those battles it, it, inside of a big company for many years and it's it really gets back to priorities yep uh, it, it really hasn't it really has very little to do with resources as much as it is priorities. Mm. It's the engineering team and the and the product team deciding what the priorities are. And I had stuff on the roadmap when I was working on Zune for two or three years. It was always like a, a you know like a P two <laughs> or P three, right? right? And and it was like, oh yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, you know, the next cycle. Okay, so when is it going to move up to a P one? You know, right. It's like the executives always add a new P1 mm-hmm. above it, and it stays down there as a P2 or P3. Oh, we, we've got stuff that it, internally I've got a running spreadsheet that, uh, yeah. oh, you know, lots of, you know, you have this idea, ding in the shower, you add it to the spreadsheet. You know, it's... Uh, Every software company has this dilemma, right? How yeah. do you how do you prioritize things? Um and there is some sort of a resource limitation driven um, into those priorities. Um, if the priorities, so if you have a bunch of bunch of P1s uh, and you only have so many developers, then those are that's what's going to be worked on. Uh, and if another P1 comes in there, then that's what get works on, and the P2s and the P3s just get stretched further and further into the future. And at the end. After a couple of years of that, you just have to ask the question. It's like, are those P3s ever going to be prioritized? And if they're not, then th- that's that's another discussion that we need to have. <laughs> right. Um, and if that's the case, then why have them on the list? Is it just to appease us or what? what is it? So anyway, these are challenging software questions that uh, that happen in startups and in big companies. Uh, they're really a problem in the big companies because they're very top-down driven. Um, they're usually not uh, bottom-up driven that much, uh, though they'll tell you that they are. Now, now when I say bottom-up, uh, I'm talking about customer driven. Um, usually, the VPs at the higher levels drive down the priorities from above because they know better and they're the boss. Um, so that's how it usually works in these big companies. Um, it's, it, oftentimes when you talk to the people that are program managers or ones that are actually doing the work, they'll tell you that they don't agree with the priorities and that they, they wish it was different. Oh, I drive uh, but, Angelo batshit crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And th- that's just the nature of human, human interaction in yep. these things too. Um, the power structures are what they are and, and, uh, Microsoft and Google and, um, you know, all, all the players in the space, uh, all have to fight these battles. And I know that, um, you know, oftentimes too, as programming is, um, full of rabbit holes, you expect to get from point A to point B in X amount of time. And, uh, uh, that, that you just never seem to make, uh, the deadlines that you try to set internally. There's just stuff that comes up. It's, it's tough. And, well, yeah, uh, things will break, and those yeah. those those engineers have to spend you know a, a week trying to fix something or, or upgrade some software package that's running on the server. 
Um, Secu- is, some security thing comes up and yeah. you have to update 30 servers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that just pushes your roadmap back further and further because they're, they're keeping things alive instead of building something. Oh, new. Right. So anyway, it's, it's what it is. It, it is. And, um, it's it's nice to have had a head start, but boy, I tell you, sometimes I feel like I'm doing this. You know, it's it's it's, it's well, crazy. And I don't, you know, it's 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 tough. Um, shoot, my phone is going crazy <laughs> here. Hang on, that's a, that's a cute ringtone. Yeah, I have a new. Uh, uh, I have a new phone. Did you? Yeah, you yeah. took me about that. I didn't know Windows yeah. was still making shows. <laughs> or phones? Yeah. <laughs> phones, yeah. Yeah, well, they are, they are, and I'm all in on the ecosystem. Yeah, so. Samsung's got a serious, serious issue with their Samsung Seven Galaxy Note that's exploding. Glo- oh yeah, global that's recall. Right. Wow. Hey, I also noticed that uh, Gimlet, uh, the startup series that they have, I guess, is being adapted to television, which I, I think, you know, yeah, it's uh, jumping it's, the shark. Well, it is a little bit. It's also following in the the trend line of, of you know, let's try and grow the, the the revenue base of this show concept and expanding it into television is it's a huge distraction for the podcast side. So, um, you know, other folks have done this as well, and sometimes it works okay, and sometimes it doesn't. You know. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that's that's something that's. That's happening. I'm sure it will help the the image of Gimlet uh, as a content company, and that's that's part of what they're trying to do. They they had some capital investment. They need to show something for it. Yep. Hey, <laughs> how how um? There's an article on the Observer talking about Tim Ferriss, and to be honest with you, I don't know Tim at all. I don't. Yeah, I don't know Tim either. And uh, they're they're saying he's the op, uh, Oprah of audio. And uh, behind the podcast with 70 million plus downloads, the yeah. Tim Ferriss effect. I'm, I'm just not up to speed with him very much. I, I don't think I've ever listened to his show. Have you listened to his podcast before? Um, I haven't listened to his show specifically, but I have listened to a podcast that was done by him and Kevin Rose. That was a while ago. Well, they don't do that show very often. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's like a sporadic production that they do, but yeah. that, that's the only uh, one that I've watched is one with Kevin and him. Hmm. Yeah, I've known Kevin for a long time, but I, I've, yeah, I've never met Tim. So it's interesting, you know, that you've got these ecosystems within the podcasting space and, you know, here, you know, here I have got my, and you do too, you've got your hand on a heartbeat trying to keep a sense of what's going on. And, you know, there's, it's gotten so big that, you know, this guy's been around a long time and you're like, you know, what's he doing these days? And it's like, well, he doesn't come come to any community events. That's and true he doesn't, too. doesn't, doesn't hang with the podcast community. And that's, I mean, I've, I've talked to people that, that know him. I mean, he's, he likes to hang out with the, you know, the network marketer guys or the, the training guys and the, mm-hmm. the startup guys. So that's kind of, kind of his community. Yep. Um, so it's a different different kind of thing yeah i saw that uh that uh, was it um, uh, matthew passy um i guess uh, he wrote an article uh that 
that said that Shaquille O'Neal could fart into a microphone for an hour and 100,000 people would download it. And this is talking a little bit about a Podcast One program. Um, but um, uh, it said, while other podcasters are putting out great content, um, the advertisers don't pick up on um, because the advertisers are looking for, you know, celebrities yep. um, and ones that um, have supposedly high download numbers. Um, and if you don't have 10 to 50,000 downloaders, downloads, most advertisers won't even bother with you. Um, That's been true. Which, which I would say is true. I would say, you know, except, in some ways. Ex- oh, go, go ahead. Except for with us. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, even at 10,000, it's hard to get some of their, their attention. So, well, um, I, you know, here's, here's the thing I, I I've adapted. I, I've talked about it in the previous shows. I've adapted a new strategy and I'm using this with every media buyer. They don't get to see the numbers, not until they agree, uh, to the show, the, the show bundle. Um, yeah. I, I don't provide it. I, I just, uh, put the show package together. They yep. have to judge the content on the content, not on the downloads. And um, that's what I'm doing. And take it or leave it. And, uh, yep. and they ask me, well, can I see the down? No. Go through and approve the list and approve yep. the budget. And once the budget's approved, then we will, when it comes time to start reporting, we will report each show's individual numbers as far as the billing goes. But um, I that's been my new, and I'm just taking it away from the, <laughs> from the media buyers and making them think for a change uh, that they have to, uh, excuse me, pick the content, not the number. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's being effective. Yeah, that's true. It's all about, it's all about targeting. And I'll give, I'll give credit where credit's due. Uh, Lisa Laporte. That's what she's doing too. Oh yeah, Definitely. And I yep. and took and I took her advice. She was the one that said, "Don't give them the numbers. Just give them the package and and go from there." And I'm like, "Hmm, okay." So that's yeah. that's what I've been doing since about April, since NAB, since her and I. You were standing there with us. Well, you and I were standing there, Rob, when we were talking yep. to her. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah, and I'm actually still working with Lisa. So, yeah. It's. Uh, um, yeah, she's though. I'll, Leo and and her have moved into their new studio. I don't know if we've talked about that. No, I I have. If they got pictures and stuff, I haven't even looked at Twit lately. It's a much uh, more humble studio. Um, they're hmm. a little. It's a little smaller space. I guess it's it's still the same kind of design. It has the same kind of feel to their programs. They tried to duplicate the brick house as much as they they could from a look and feel perspective. Right. Um, but the space, there's fewer studios, there's, it's just a smaller space. Um, but it has a lot of, I guess, more efficiencies built into it, but I guess they, they all really miss the old brick house cause it had a lot of, a lot of space to it, uh, a lot of mystique to it as far as the history and those kind of things. So they were a little sad to kind of move on, <clears throat> but yeah, it does look a little different. The backdrop looks different, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same concept. Uh, he's, he's got the same kind of basic look and feel, Mm -hmm. um, of it, but it is a much smaller studio. There isn't the, 
the the depth to this new studio that they used to have. And it's um, not uh, on a prime location where they were either on the street. They're kind of yeah, yeah. Well, that's too bad. They had to move. They I know they lost their uh, their uh, their lease at the place that they were at. But uh, they are doing something that they're, they haven't been doing for a while. They are, you know, at least alluded to this. They are going to do live events again. They're going to be going to these events like CES and IFA and all those events to, to cover. Yeah. Well, I would think, Todd, that this is just me speaking hypothetically, that um, it, it may be a tough time for a, a, a network that focuses on tech. I don't know what you think. I mean, um, I know we haven't talked about this topic before, but I, I just wonder if it's a difficult time. And maybe this is a little bit of a reflection of um, um, some things that are happening to them. Um, maybe there's, there, there's less appeal with tech programs. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I do a tech program. I'm surviving. I'm doing good. <laughs> I've had well, some- I- I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, no. Well, no, I just wonder if there's, I, you know, if over time we're going to see a decline in interest in tech programs. I think it'll even out, you know, tech led. Oh, man, just dominated for. Oh, yeah, it did. For in the but pocket. I've also seen a gradual decline in its popularity, though. So certain shows like yours and, and Twit and stuff have maintained their, their strength because of the, the quality and the connection with their audience. I don't know if we can assign quality to my show, but. <laughs> self-depreciating humor here well you know there are, you know i'm not the most well-spoken person on the planet oh well i'm not either so it's all right we're just we're early podcasters I'm that just, just stuck our necks out and we get it chopped off occasionally. truth be told just remember i was a country boy I grew up on a farm so there uh, you go there you go hey that 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 i mean a Matthew Massey article, uh, the title of it was Celebrities Are Flocking to Podcasts, But Will They Stick Around? Well, they will if the cash rolls in. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting. I mean, given my my background working at Podcast One and yeah. stuff, I, I, I got my full dose of that. Um, <laughs> and I, let me say, in this article, I mean, it's in Adweek. Uh, this, is, this is also what it says. Um, 67% of millennials say celebrity stars are underqualified to be hosts. Oh, so doubting Thomases from the millennials. Good on them. Yeah. So, and I, I would agree 100% based on what I saw at podcast one. Cause Um, most of them are actors. They read scripts. Actors. You what know. you see is not real. Right. Not who they really are. It's a fact. They are actors. They do their job well. Um, and I, I'm not going to, I, I have no, I don't hang out with celebrities. I've never hung out with celebrities. I don't think I've met a celebrity. So. Oh, sure you have. Well, I yelled at Shaq one time at CES. Hey, Shaq, <laughs> come on the show. He got, he was hauling, you know, <laughs> with his entourage. Yes, I'm sure he had a few people under tow. Yes, right? a few, a few, a few leading to busting the path. Not that Shaq yeah. didn't do that himself. Yeah, I saw <laughs> lots of uh, lots of these TV celebrities come in the the door and 
do an interview or something like that on a on a podcast one program and and then walk into Norm's office and and they tried to kiss the ring swing a deal <laughs> to do a show right yeah. and and some of them did it and they flamed out like crazy <clears throat> you know like within five or six or seven episodes they, they were there was talk about throwing them out the door so um, it just Sometimes these celebrities don't have the personality that that a lot of people expect them to have. Um, well, then that's maybe where they should, uh, you know, use those acting charms they have and have a you know podcast persona. <laughs> yeah, but they don't think like that because they they walk in there and they think that they're that they're just terrific uh-huh. um, based on who they are. Right, and some have of them no, are no idea how to connect with people either. Well, they have to, you know, and some of the super celebrities, they can't connect with people because people are weird. They, you know, chase them down the street and interrupt them while they're having dinner and, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, get in their it's face. Kind of, and I, I, Yeah, it's kind of hard to be <laughs> humble and and um, be able to talk to an audience you in said, a human way when you're always pursued. You right? said an important word there, Rob, humble. Humble, yes. Yeah. I think humility. That's not a term that's 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 well appreciated in Hollywood. No, but I think humility yeah. in the podcasting space is uh, an important uh, attribute a podcaster must have. Yeah, I think it's it's an at- attribute that connects with an audience. Right. I think you can't take yourself too seriously, <laughs> and you have to um, be able to you know have a little self depreciation. Yeah. I think it helps a lot. Yeah. I think it helps humanize you. In the face of your 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 listeners, because they're individuals, they're people, they're people that are living normal lives. They they like to associate and and, and relate to people that are maybe living um, maybe a little better than them, maybe or it's a little bit aspirational. It's a little bit of I think jealousy that drives a little bit of audience. I think it's also a little bit of. Um, you know, being being humble at the same time, being able to 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 relate, I think is is another thing. And speaking to them as individuals, I, I think you know that's been a big thing that's been talked about recently in a lot of the podcasting conferences. Is uh, don't don't speak to an audience, speak to an individual. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dave Jackson in the chat room says <clears throat> Tim has big. Na- and this is referring to Tim Ferriss. Tim has big names on shows. Good interview, Schwarzenegger. Tony Roberts, Jamie Foxx, you know, I've never been adorned to big names. So I I don't know if, uh, some people like to follow, you know, and hear the inside story on folks like that. I, I don't know. I just, uh, I've never been enamored with, you know, they're just people in my opinion. And, you know, and, and and more inclined maybe to listen to someone that's very successful in the business world. But I, you know, um, uh, if he's doing you know that level of interviews, he he's got to have a huge, massive show. Yeah, de- delivering huge numbers. But I don't know if it would appeal to me. Maybe I'll have to check one out. Um. Anyway, hey Todd, I was just uh, lo- looking at looking at Facebook, and I went to your your profile page. Yep. And I was just lo- looking at the process of finding our live stream on Facebook, yep. and and I didn't see it in your newsfeed. 
Uh, but when I went into the search field, I typed in new media show and it, and it came up. If you uh, go to, if you go to facebook.com forward slash Cochran, you'll find, you'll find it in that stack. It's, it's, it's right at the top right now. Which yeah, I was just curious to put, to, to put that out there. Cause I went to your profile page and it wasn't there. So, huh. um, so, but I had to do a search by, by the keyword that was in the, the post itself of the actual live stream and it, and it found it. Right. I don't but, know why it's, um, you know, if Facebook's got a huge, huge potential winner here, um, just they just got to find out a little bit better way to promote it. Now I, it. Yeah. and I could, you know, we should build a new media show page and put it there instead of on my personal profile. And that would solve it. We'd have a permanent mm-hmm. URL to send people to. Um, but you know, those pages, I, I don't know how much traction they get. I'd like to be able to do dual streams, but I've learned that you cannot to Facebook. You can't do two at the same time. Which is too bad. Yeah. They, I think they, I think Daniel Lewis tried it and one of them got shut down, I think. I'll have uh, to ask him. Okay. But yeah, without, uh, you know, the social media aspect on Facebook is fine and we've got the chat room on the newmediashow.com forward slash live page, which uh, people are jumping in. And uh, Eileen, hi, how are you? She's on. But, um, yeah, going. Uh, I guess we'll go back to it. It, it. There's just from a streaming platform wise, it just seems like they, someone could do just a little better job. Um, Midroll has announced uh, some promotions from within, so they've elevated two of their folks. Uh, Eric Dine is now the CEO, and Lex Friedman is CRO. What is a CRO? Uh, Chief, Chief Revenue Chief Revenue, Revenue Officer. Officer. Oh, yeah. so CFO CRO. Okay. Well, he's he's basically been in charge of their their, their advertising for this. You know, for so it's just an upgrade in title. Yep. Yeah, I know that both of those guys were kind of um, how can I say, kind of wanting the CEO job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you think uh, that Lex yeah. was? He's wanted it, right? Oh yeah. So then Eric being announced as the CEO might rub Lex the wrong way. Well, I, let me, let me just put it this way. I'm sure that it was just, you know, it was just one of those things that both of them had to be taken care of as they say. Uh So it makes sense. If you think about it, I think both of those guys are really key to building that company. Yep. Um, and, and I'm not surprised, I mean, who they picked, um, but, but they needed to pick somebody soon because that spot has been vacant mm-hmm. for a good month and a half, you yep. know, back when Adam left. And uh, so I'm glad to hear that they've announced that, got that behind them. Yeah, and uh, got contracts in place and cash in hand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else did I have in the new stack today that I had found? And I've been going to pod to pod is where I've been going to uh, get a lot of news. Of course, Podcaster News as well is um, another place, but pod2pod.com often has a big, uh, they syndicate a lot of the different uh, um, sites, but I didn't know that there was a podcast Atlanta 
that uh, was happening. It, these folks that are doing these podcasting events um, need to get the word out a little bit more um, that they're having stuff. Uh, it, but it's only a, a short event in Atlanta. So, uh, um, yeah. but yeah, they, these folks need to start getting stuff promoted. The uh, upcoming, uh, next week you're headed to Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference, right? Yep. At the end of the week. Yep. So I'll be down there on Saturday, so we won't be able to probably do a show unless, unless we want to try and do it live from there or something. And I fly out Saturday night to go to the East Coast, and I don't come back until my, my schedule gets a little nuts here, Rob. Um, let's see, you go on, it's on the 9th. So I yeah, actually I fly, fly out on the, the, the 9th, yeah. Yeah, so I fly out on the Saturday the 10th, and then I, I don't get back until late on Saturday the 17th. Um, and then I turn around, I'll be able to do a show the 24th and the 1st, and then I fly out again going back to the East Coast again on um, October, uh, I mean, we'll be fine October 3rd, so we'll be able to do a show. But, uh, yeah, so just, you know, travel forthcoming. Yes. And, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, we'll see, I guess we'll see what happens. You, and you're probably going to be busy, so we'll just plan on not doing a show, or if I do a show, I'll find someone to step in for you. Okay. I know there's plenty of folks that can fill in for me. <laughs> Rob, come on. You're not replaceable here. <laughs> just, you know, just bring in, uh, you know, Mr. Hot Pod. Yeah, yeah, he's a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little internal joke there. So um, what what is Mr. Hot Pod uh, reporting on these days? We're talking about Nick Qua. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh I don't know. He was, he's been, uh, I, I did notice that he's starting to talk more about art 19 now. Oh so. yeah. I wonder. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he got included. They got included in the East coast bubble. I guess so, but he's in LA, so I'm not sure how yeah, that works. Yeah. So yeah, he actually reported on a company, uh, West of Boston. Oh my God. Did they, is there a, uh, <laughs> oh, and and uh, yeah, I, yeah. I saw in his newsletter that he posted to a uh, another kind of tidbit of of information out of Tom Webster too. Oh, really? <clears throat> um, talking about the ethn um, the ethnic aspects of podcasting and how it's uh, grown and changed. Uh, so he has a slide up um, talking about who listens to podcasts. And it's basically looking at uh, 2011, what the what the composition is from a you know from a Caucasian, yeah, the African Americans, the Hispanics, Asians, whatever kind of a breakdown of the of the um, of the um, races and how it breaks out. Um, so between 2011 and 2016, really the the percentage of uh, Caucasian white listeners to podcasters. Um, uh, dropped by five percent as a proportion, uh, and and we've seen a growth in uh, uh, up two percent in the African uh, the African American community. Boy, I don't know why I can't say that. The and then it looks like it's grown one uh, percent for the Hispanic community and one percent for the Asian community and one percent for other. Which I'm not sure what other. I guess it could be anything um, other than those, but. Um, 
So yeah, so it looks like that the non non whites are starting to consume more podcasts as a percentage of the overall pie. So that's, that's basically what the what the Edison research was showing. Well, that's good. I agree. Uh, you know, when we were at Podcast Movement, I think that uh, I looked at the makeup of the crowd, and it was pretty diverse for content creators too. Lots of ladies. Um, I would like to see what the what the breakout is between male and female in this medium. It's it's definitely shifted because uh, there yeah. was a lot of women at Podcast Movement. I you know it yeah. was, um, and a lot of women are looking at doing shows. Too. Yeah, what would you would you say was it wasn't maybe fifty fifty, but it was definitely like maybe sixty forty, um, maybe even higher than that. You think you think it was there was fewer women than that? No, 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 no. I think that there was more women. Than oh, that. you think it was fifty-fifty at the event? I I think it was pretty close. Okay. It, well, I, I you know I don't know. I'll have to ask the guys at at Podcast Movement what their numbers were. But not only that, but uh, uh, race diversity—if yeah. that's the right way to say it too. So yeah, race. Diversity is probably a better way of saying it than yeah. how I was saying it earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, it's it's you know, I I talk to a lot of people. It's you know, just I, I guess it and it's the way it should be. It's the way the space is, you know. Well, that's 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 the world we live in now. Right, right, uh, right. And and this, it's good to see that this medium is reflecting the overall population makeup. I think uh, the listening audiences still are, you know, heavy male. I don't know if the you know, if the ladies are listening as much, um, but it definitely content creator wise, it's as, as more women create shows though. I think right. you're going to hear, you're going to have more lady listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to help to follow. It's yeah. Follow. Yeah. It's all good. And it, and eventually it should be where there's more women listening than men. That's, that's where it should wind up at some point. Cause there, there's a, uh, there's more women in the world than there are men. You know, the, as here's, a population percentage. And maybe this is going to sound the wrong way, um, and don't take it the wrong way, but uh, I, I oftentimes think that uh, the ladies have less time than the guys do to listen. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, yeah. Especially uh, if they're, if they they're, have, if they have, if they're they, mothers. Yeah, and depends. Well, you know, if they're working moms, especially, oh, my God, you yeah. know. And um, so, it, it, I don't know. Uh, and maybe this but is the... All, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of women work out, and a lot of women yeah, yeah. spend a lot of time in their cars. True. Uh, you know, so yeah. I think that there's still time. It's there's just, still time. Yeah. You know, who are they transporting in the cars? Right, to, right. You know, you know, are they yeah. is someone fighting over the iPad to watch Barney, or someone, uh, or do you have a teenager in the car who's already tuned out and listening to their own thing? But if you're talking about a you know, a professional woman that doesn't have any kids or whatever. I think uh, they're prime candidates to be heavy consumers of yeah. podcasts. Yeah, we'll have to get yeah. some ladies on here and, and ask them. We'll have to get uh, Elsie on, and maybe yeah. she can give us some insight on what's happening on I'm the, sure she, the yeah, ladies' I'm sure front. She, I, she'd be happy to come on. I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, it's good. I I, I think that uh, you know the space needs. A diversity of voices and opinions and it's good for everyone there's too much stupid stuff going on in the world today we need people that are you know a, a diversity of content and opens people's brains a little yeah definitely i also noticed that roddy swearing um 
just got hired by Art19. So I don't know if I don't if know him. The, the community knows about Roddy, but he ran the Sideshow Network down in um, down in Los Angeles for mm. many years. Mm. Yeah, I've worked a lot with Roddy over the years because um, Podcast One. Um, Roddy oftentimes took the Podcast One kind of. Um, um, I, I don't know if they're rejects or the ones that got <laughs> got kind of booted out of there that um, the hosts were looking for a better place to go. Right. Uh, Roddy would oftentimes pick those shows up uh, from me, so I worked a lot with him on show migration off of the Podcast One platform over to Sideshow. Um, so I got to know him pr- pretty well, and, and he's now left Sideshow or the – a levity group um, down there, which was really focused on is it's basically a studio is what the the levity group is and a talent agency. Um, so he was like working on this this podcast network down there. It was kind of like a side project that that they they were hoping to funnel a bunch of talent into uh, based on them being a talent agency. Um, and it, it it just you know they he got his resources trimmed back, uh, more and more and more. Uh, and, and eventually he just left. Um, so now he's the executive vice president of content over at uh, art 19. That is uh, very curious. And, you know, if you think about, uh, they're, they're definitely spending some money in this space. All these people that they're hiring, I don't know who they're representing. I don't know that I've lost anybody to art 19. So, they're, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not, I think, um, well, I don't have an exhaustive list of all the folks that they've been st- starting to work with. And the one that's most public right now, I think is the, is the deal with, uh, uh, what mineral. But you, uh, but then again, they're not using them hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I do know that they're working with, you know, new shows and things like that. So they're trying to, you know, be a host to, to, to new content creators as well. And, but I know that some of the larger ones that, you know, some of the larger networks are starting to move that way because of their ad insertion capabilities. Well, Um, ad insertion is okay. And just kill me now. You know, it's like, please. Well, I'm, yeah. It's, Hopefully Sean will will come on the show. So he'll, we can he's never come on a the better, show. Better glimpse of of what's <laughs> what they're what they're working on. He'll so, never come on the show. Well, he told me he would in the past. Oh, okay. Well, but of course he's told me that a couple times. <laughs> so, but that's okay. I mean, if he doesn't want to come on the show, that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be any any issue, but. I think it would be helpful for him to let the community know what's what he's what he's doing and what value he's bringing to to the community because I think that there's just a lot of a lot of people that don't really know what's the, what's the more with the that. more secret they want to be the better. Yeah, well, I guess that that would be the the fallout. I yeah. guess more, the yeah. more the more the more behind the curtain and secret they want to be. It's great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, you know, come on. It, you know, you want your business you want, you want your a, you want your business to expand, you just keep it everything secret on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there hasn't been a lot of 
success in that. Well, he, I think he talks to the companies he talks to, but he doesn't talk to, or the podcasters, but they don't talk too much to the community at all. How, you know, how do you build community trust when you don't talk to the community or you talk down to the community? Well, and, and I hate to say, but most people in, in the podcasting space don't really even know what Art19 is, is right. what they are, you know, what's the scope of what they do. Yep. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of investment over there and a lot of big players. I mean, Chris, Chris Hardwick is on their board of directors. You know, he's, he's a, been a big, big, big deal in the podcasting space for many years. Um, but you know, I am so glad I good. don't have investors. I'm so glad I am the investor. <laughs> it's good to have, you know, companies like this in the space though, that are, that are pushing the envelope. We don't always agree with what they're doing, but, yeah. um, it's always, I, I think it's always good to see new companies that come in here and try and, and try and push the envelope of new ideas and stuff. You know, I think that this API thing, which, which I know, um, many don't like, uh, and don't think it's going to be successful trying to change RSS to APIs. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, just, it's, it's it just, it just doesn't feel realistic that it's going to work. Oh, well, not when you keep it a secret, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we still don't know what that magic, um, um, you know, Apple metric no, from Situation from Omnia's. No, they they yeah. they they after the last show they don't talk to us no more. <laughs> and they have really kind of gone dark. Oh, they went real dark on that whole topic because maybe they maybe they bit off it. more than they could chew. Because I know that uh, Rob Walsh, he uh, oh yeah, they he talked about. Pretty... Yeah, he talked about him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. I think he was worse than we were on it. <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob can be a little brutal on stuff like that that he doesn't agree with. Well, I mean, he he can, and you know, you know, you know, Rob and I probably talk a couple times a week, and you know, there's a lot of times we just eyeball roll. You know, it's there's like, yeah. geez, again, yeah. please, are you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, but now they know better, so we can all move on, and everybody's everybody's good. Yeah. So I'm excited for the IAB document to come out eventually, though. Well, I'm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I don't know the date, so uh, I haven't heard anything about it here in in recent days. Yeah. So probably by the by the end of the year, you think it'll be oh, out? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Because the buyer's guide document, which is in update right now as well, cannot be released until the measurement document is out. One feeds the other. So, but you also, you know, we have to give some time to the industry to to make some changes. Well, right? it's, it, once it comes out, then each company will have to say whether they comply and support or not. You know, that's what it's going to come yeah. down to. And, but uh, is it only going to be companies that um, that are members of the IAB that well, are going to be involved in that? No, it'd be, well, it's it's there's no official body to look and see that you've actually done this unless you go out yeah. and spend a hundred thousand dollars to have a 
you know, MR or what's the name of the company? Yeah, the media ratings. Yeah, having them come in and do the do the audit. So it's you know it's going to be up to companies to self certify. Um, you're saying yes, we we meet these. Um, you know, we meet these requirements. I'm not even sure how that would happen. I mean, unless somebody would come in and actually look at the code. Right? Well, I think, you know, people are just going to have to say, yes, we, you know, we, we meet the um, requirements that's been laid out in the requirements document. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, and hopefully uh, media buyers will ask uh, companies as they're doing business with whether or not they are compliant or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still going to need to be some audits, probably that'll have to happen. Well, no, you, you, the audits are only going to happen with the. Uh, again, you would have to hire someone come in to do the audits. Uh, yeah. I IEB does not do that. That's not their business, is to do audits. Yeah. So. I'm just curious. I mean, it's great that these standards are out there, but I'm just, you know, that is a missing piece. <clears throat> Well, I, I, you know, I, I understand, but uh, again, to be able to, to be, to be certified, you know, to, well, you can, you know, if I think the requirements are such that companies are going to be able to say what they do to meet the requirements, I don't think that's going to be a problem for the majority of the companies. I was just thinking, is there, do you think that there could be a way that a, a third party entity could be created that would create a, um, algorithm, um, on a server that could, um, yeah. or an API connection that could connect with the network to, to evaluate that. I'm just trying to think if there might be a way of doing that. Well, you know, then again, who's going to be the company that's going to do that and how much you're going to have to pay that company to make that happen? I don't know. You know, that just to, to support just, the staff and the technology behind it is and that's, you know, that's big bucks. Yeah. That's but why it just feels like that that's that that would be what would need to happen next, right? Well, it that's be, the company that does that right now is MRC. And yeah, uh that's right. Again, you know, it, it, if you got $100,000 each year laying around, uh, because that's essentially what it costs, it costs six figures a year to do an audit. Um, yes, you can get anything is, then they, you know, they're going to see this for the first time too. So they're going to have to come up with the, you know, the means to determine, okay, are you actually doing this right? Uh, I just wonder if there's some way to create an algorithm that, um, that could could evaluate a a, a network's mm. um, kind of um, following the structure of the recommendation guidelines to be able to say to get access to like maybe a an icon or a logo that says this no. network is certified to be compliant with IEB standards. Yeah, um, that's I don't again. know. It's something to be talked about. It's you know that's what MRC does, but it's a you know, and unless someone comes, but they don't up, do it with podcasting yet. No, no, but you can go get your data. You know, you can go get your data certified from a reporting standpoint with MRC without any guidelines from IEB. They can come in and look at what you the processes that you do and how you do it and how you come up with the numbers that you come up with, and they will certify whether or not that is a correct pro, a, a good process or not. 
based on the IEB's recommendation. Based on their scientific, you know, based upon their team's evaluation of what you do. But now that there's going to be a standard, at least you have something you can flip back to and say, okay, here's the, you know, here's the base, here's the minimum, you know. But I don't know, you know, it's we've done audits before, but you know, I'm in the business, so how can I be the, you know, that that doesn't make any sense. I'd have to spin off a new office somewhere and separate staff yeah. and well i just wonder if if uh, it it makes sense given that to come up with an association again but the you know the question then is is okay so still it comes down to cost you're still going to have to pay yeah. someone a significant yeah. amount of money to do this and then there's the trust and the ndas and you're going to have to look at people's code and you know it's not just uh it's not a trivial thing. I agree no, with you. No, it's I, not trivial. That's why I, I wonder if as this industry grows, we need to think about forming a industry association again mm. that, that can can fund certification processes um, with with players that are members and, and to be able to do that as a third party um, entity that can can certify these platforms to be compliant with IEB standards that then can be shared with advertisers to say, uh, we are all, you know, this, this platform, this platform, this platform, all of them are, are compliant with the reporting, uh, recommendations of the IEB as a minimum. Right? Yeah. I think initially is going to always be, be a little different and, some of these will be different. I mean, I, I think, uh, Lipson might be a little different from you and well, different I, from the IEB standard. No, I think on the basic measurement requirements, uh, you know, we may have to make a tweak. Rob may have to make a tweak. And once we do, the base numbers um, from both of us should be at least uh, time periods and everything else that goes along with uh, this, you know, the, the guidelines will be uh, um I, I don't think there'll be that much delta. There's never been much delta between us and Rob anyway. No, that's true. So, you know, time will tell. Um, you know, if we, if we, if we're, I don't think, I don't know if we ever have to make a tweak or not. I don't think so. But um, if we do, it's minor. It's just a variable in the, you know, how long we hold data for and, you know, before we, you know, count it again or something to that effect. Uh, Harold was asking, um, I'm I'm here in Hawaii, so uh, in the studio, and then Rob's at his uh, second place. Yes, <laughs> second place. His uh, home away from home. Yes. <laughs> but otherwise, it's um. Oh, we're already at ninety minutes. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens when this comes out. Uh, you know, the IEB does have a technical group, but it's not their job to. You know, they're not in the auditing business. Um, yeah. So we'll see. And you know, I think the main thing is there'll be something on the street that uh, I think for the most part, the measurement docket probably will not be read by media buyers. The buyer's guide will be. I think that the measurement guidelines document at least will be something that we can talk to and that um, the um, the companies will have to say, yeah, you know, we we comply and in, in, in on face value, you're going to have to take that at face value that they're saying that they do. Um, I mean, at this point until there, th there is some way to, uh, to verify. Yeah. 
or someone, you know, I'm sure the big companies are going to go out and look for MRC certification. But, you know, I don't know if that's something that uh, if Rob's going to do or if I'm going to do. You know, that's a big, that's a big bill. You know, what does it gain? You, you, the, way I ha- the way I look at it, 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 it is this way too, Rob. If I have to spend $100,000 a year to, you know, what I have to make an advertising revenue to justify that is, yeah. you yeah, know, crazy. I have to, I have to net put in the bank a million bucks. Yeah. You know, you know, that's, that's, you know, make a deposit in order to justify a hundred thousand dollar bill every year. So, um, so to me, financially, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do it. Um, it'd be a cool title. It could be the cool, you know, cool thing to have, but, um, frankly, and, and this is something that I want to go back to again, I'm not having issues with media buyers questioning numbers so it's not even a for us it's not it's a non-issue so i don't even you know i don't i don't have media buyers asking me lots of hard questions about about the numbers because the dr folks they just back it into performance they want to say okay yeah we had good performance on this sounds about looks about right okay yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's about it's all about results. Yeah. On the advertising, especially on the direct response guys, but it's it's the guys that are brand advertisers are are the ones that are going to be more concerned about this stuff. Oh. Uh, um, yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, if I had Ford come in and spend ten million dollars for a for a year, um, yeah, then it's, it it makes uh, sense. Let's go out and spend that. You know, let's go out and spend that money. $10 million. Todd just throws out a suggested number. We just run a $10 million ad campaign well, on his network. Well, hey, you know, let's be honest. Let's be very, very honest. Drop in the bucket, right, Todd? We are a rounding error on <laughs> most national advertising budgets. If Geico, if Geico would, would, uh, um, 3%, if they would give us 3% of their national television, they could buy the entire space. Every podcaster known to man would have a, a Geico ad in their show. And that's be pretty effective. Oh. They could buy the entire space. Yeah. It could be pretty effective too. Yeah. It's going to reach, you know, a billion <laughs> downloads or something, multi-billion downloads. So, yeah. and that's just a percentage of their national television budget. So, you know, yeah. we laugh and, you know, we're not getting ever. T- if they, if the floodgates actually do open up, then the listeners are going to hate us because we'll have a Geico ad. We'll have, uh, you know, whatever. It'll be all national advertising. They'll be running in our shows. And uh, the listeners then will revolt. <laughs> hey, Todd, I just went to the, the, the website for the Media Ratings Council. Yeah. Uh, have you been to their website? Uh, not lately. It, it, well, if you're watching, you know, if you want to go to it here, uh, it's at media rating And it's a, I hate to say, but it's a website that's, uh, from like the, the early days of the dot com era back in the nineties. So they're, they're not exactly at the cutting edge. I'll put it to you that way. Let's see here. MRC. There we go. 
it's at it's at oh, media what? oh yeah <laughs> ratingcouncil.org <laughs> oh, hang on hang on hang on let me no, no, that's wrong, wrong site wrong site let me yeah let me get yeah. let me change here oh my god <laughs> it's a front page website sorry <laughs> there you go <laughs> Oh man! And, and this is the company that you'd have to pay a hundred thousand dollars a year to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you look at their their little um, uh, icon there, did you see that? That's uh, the icon. The, the upper right hand corner. Yep. That's Accredited it. by the Media Ratings Council. Yep. So it'd be it'd be interesting to have these guys on the show. I don't know if they would even be able to do our show but and well, it's true we'll see. see this is something too the media rating council was established by in the 1960s at the bs of the u.s congress and yeah. uh the mission is to secure for the industry related user audience measures valid reliable and effective these this is a company full of uh um um auditors this is what they are they're an audit you know they they have uh, uh big brains that do uh that do audits so oh. they they list here um, our our membership includes re- our representation from broadcast TV, radio, cable television, print, advertising agencies, advertisers, and internet constituencies. Whatever yep. that is, <laughs> <laughs> well, they they definitely aren't using any of their uh, their their money to uh, upgrade, their, uh, upgrade website. their website. That's but, for sure. But. But do they have an app now? I do see <laughs> iHeart uh, Radio listed here on their client list. I do see. I'm trying to find any podcast. E- no, EW uh, Scripts. Titan is in there. Triton is e- in there. EW Scripts Company is on the on, on the list. So there's a couple of but just, podcast companies. But just remember the, what Pod, they're podcast one is on the list. Todd, did you see that? No comment. Okay, so they um that's interesting. That's very interesting. I have to go back and look at that. Um you I have kind of snuck that one in there. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't see that. So I have to look on Podcast One's website and see if they've got a, a MRC logo. Um Scripts. Network is also listed there, but you have to. It, it, each each MRC certification is by design set up to do a specific thing. You don't get like a blanket. You get you, they look at individual systems, um, yeah. banners. Uh, um, you know, it's it's all the different systems that you have gets looked at individually. Yeah. But it looks like that that's the only that's the only podcast network that's on the list. Hmm. That's a pure podcast network. So I mean you got scripts, which is mid roll. Right, right. Right. Um so those are really okay, I see Hubbard Broadcasting is listed yeah, here. I iHeart is listed. The IAB is listed. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Um so there, there are some podcast players that are in this list mm-hmm. that are currently members of the Media Ratings Council. Okay, you can probably be a member, but you, it, that's not the same as a certification. Probably not, but 
it also means that they paid something to be there, right? Well, of course, to get to be a member. I, I was actually looking to see if I could find out how much it costs to become a member. Uh, members, one thing accredited is a different deal. It says, uh, let's see here. Yeah, I'm not finding how much. I'm sure you have to uh, to call to get the... Uh, yeah, because it's going to vary based on how big you yeah, are. Yeah, you know? your company size is what it always yeah. ends up being. So it's, so, again, it's, and, and what they do is they facilitate um, third parties, too, to do the, some of the auditing. Um, um, but... Uh, yeah, so you can be, it looks like you can be a member, but you may not have necessarily an accreditation. Okay, here's here's the mission statement. Yeah, did you see this? It said, the mission of the MRC is to secure for media um, and related user audience measurement that is valid, reliable, and effective. Well, that couldn't be any more generic. Right. Um, setting standards and conducting audits performed by an independent CPA firm right. to verify compliance with our standards. Yep. Now, a CPA firm would not be they, they, cred- credible to do this. Right? Well, CPA, they have uh, CPA firms that do this. They don't do like your books. They do, they do this type of a uh, code, code compliance. Yeah. Stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. It's a little, it's you know, when you talk about, account it's not accountants they're coming in it is people that are you know data centric so they have specific groups that okay. they work with so it 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 looks like that the MRC has some uh some seminars that they do uh the, the MRC will periodically conduct an educational seminar that are made available to its members at no cost each seminar is designed to focus on one aspects of survey methodology which which enables in-depth reviews of the subject matter. So it does. Uh, well, I yeah, I will yeah. just say this: they, the people that you pay, well, when you do these uh, certifications, um, they they come with a lot of clout. The groups, yeah. And I just uh, don't see a lot of mention in here about technical stuff you know well that's well the way it works is you go to them (laughs) tell them what you want to do and they write you a proposal and lay out how it's going to get done and okay so you know it's it's a one by one type of uh you know a discussion point yeah okay i mean do you have any contacts over there? It'd be great to have those guys come on the show and talk I about I do have some content contacts over there. So I'll I'll see if I can uh get one of them to potentially move uh move you know, come on and, and talk about the um you know, the process. Yeah, about what they do and and if it's even a fit for podcasting. I don't know. Um, I mean if if Podcast One joined, that's that tells me that there's well, there's some exploration going on there. Well, um, let's just put it this way: you know, the they're the conduit. They use companies like Ernest and Young, and that's a should be a name that's very you know that's a yeah. big national. It's, a, it's uh, what one of the top twelve or whatever CPA firms. So that's the type of group that does the actual audits. Audits. Yeah. 
So it's not the MRC that does the audits. The MRC facilitates a company like Ernest & Young or someone like that to do the work. Okay. You know, and they have specific people within their organizations that, you know, do this instead of, you know, you know, looking at someone's books. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's why it's as expensive as it is. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So they use those types of national groups and they, and they, and they have a, my understanding is they have a handful of companies like that that they, they utilize. So. It'd be interesting to learn more about what they're doing here. Yeah. And how, and how that could play a role in the podcasting industry. Yeah. But you have to, def you know, when you're going to them, you have to define exactly what you want done um, to get certified. You know, you have to lay out your, you know, this is, this is what we say we're doing. And then they come in and say, yep, you're doing what you say you're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway, we're long. Right. We're, I'm sure we, we bored are. some of you guys. Um, bored you to death. Yeah. Let's see here. What's Harold says. Audible and podcasts may be forever linked due to those ads. Well, Audible is really not doing podcasting. <laughs> yeah, and you can't subscribe to an RSS feed from Audible. Uh, let's see what else was said in chat. There was some other stuff. Okay, well, so, all right, Rob, you want to call it call yeah, it a day? Yeah. Uh, hey, folks, uh, you can reach me here at the show, Todd at NewMediaShow dot com, or you can uh, drop me uh, something on Twitter at Geek News. Of course, I'm on Facebook, Google Plus, all those places. Rob. Yeah, I'm at uh, robgreenlee.com. I do do the Spreaker Live Show at spreakerliveshow.com every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific. And I can be found at Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's, and robgreenlee.com. So those are the best places to get a hold of me. I guess it's up on the screen if you're watching the video. And Rob, uh, we can go for four hours now on Facebook if we want to. Hey, that's, that's an awesome idea. Also, don't forget that uh, Podcast Day is coming up on September 30th. Oh, that's so right. uh, definitely support uh, International Podcast Day. Um, Steve and the gang over there. Don't forget about that. And, um, of course, Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference this coming weekend. Yeah, Friday and Saturday. I'm going to be back there. And then there's uh, probably the next big one is PodFest down in Florida, February 23rd through the 25th. Yeah. Yep. So I'm making, are you going to that? Todd? I think I'll be there. So making plans. To there's go a to chance that. that I might be there too. We'll see. Yeah, there's uh, about 600 podcasters that are going to be at that event, according to the Podfest folks. Oh, so a awesome. uh, pretty big event. Yeah, it's probably second largest uh, as compared to you know podcast movement. So, um, but anyway, that's that's what's going on in the space. Everyone, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got comments about the show. Drop us a line. Let us know. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time here on okay. the new media show. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.